Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Wednesday, February 28th. We normally chat with him on the third Tuesday of the month, but his scheduling for February necessitated that we reschedule him for this morning. And we are very pleased to be joined by second-term Republican state senator, the state senate minority leader, Eric Nesbitt of Lawton. On the other side of our phone line this morning, Eric, I hope all is well with you and your family. And uh, shall we say a rather tumultuous weather-wise night overnight? Yeah, I got a little uh, little hail last night. Some big storms coming through. It's been some interesting weather, but yeah, life is good. Uh, little William just turned two two weeks ago, so Yay. he's uh, growing up pretty pretty quickly. And uh, Catherine, my oldest, who's four and a half, we had our first daddy daughter dance uh, last Friday, so that was uh, fun to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll share my you know my grand. A uh, 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 grandkid story. Uh, um, I have a grandson who's six and another uh, granddaughter who's uh, going to be two in, in May. But uh, I got a train set for uh, for Christmas and I put it up in my you know my den downstairs. Shot a couple of pictures to my son and they're all excited about coming over and playing on the train. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's it's good. Uh, you'll enjoy it when you get to be a grandfather, but that's a few years away. Let's not uh, rush it in your case, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. If you got a question, and we do have to talk serious with Eric, we could talk kids all day. 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Uh, let's start first with the presidential preference primary, or as I have said on these airwaves, and I'll say it to you, Eric, a glorified straw poll last yesterday for the state Republican preferential preference primary because no delegates could be delegated because of state of, of national convention rules. Well, there um, a majority will be delegated this weekend at the uh, state uh, caucuses uh, that's going to be held in, in Grand Rapids on, on Saturday. So right on that part, but there's uh, out of the, what is it? There's 55 delegates, 16 of them, were awarded from the primary yesterday, and 39 will be awarded on Saturday because the Governor Whitmer and the Democrat majority moved up the primary last year to before March 1st. You're right, Republican National Committee rules say that uh, if it's before March 1st and you're not one of the selected four states in the uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, that you would lose about 90% of your delegates. And so they reached a compromise uh, last year. The, the Michigan Republican Party did it with the Republican National Committee to do about you know three-quarters of the allocation on, at a caucuses on Saturday and about a quarter of the allocation yesterday to the primary. So, But there was a big turnout in the Republican primary. 1.1 million voters turned out. I think that was, uh, you know, nearly 400,000 more voters than turned out in the uh, in the Democratic primary. And I think it does show that uh, Trump has the primary secured and uh, Biden seems to have some some issues on over 100,000 Democrats voting on committed uh, because of what's going on in, in, in the Middle East. I think it shows some 
real challenges that uh, Senator Biden does, I mean, President Biden does have mm-hmm. in, in Michigan. Uh, and so that's, you know, coming out of it from uh, from yesterday, uh, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see folks in Grand Rapids on Saturday to pick the, the rest of the delegates. I can then, and I do need to bring this up with you, Eric, by saying, seeing people in Grand Rapids on Saturday, can I safely assume that the general sentiment is, if you want to be on the be a part of the, uh, the convention, national convention in Milwaukee, you go to Grand Rapids on Saturday and not Detroit? Yeah, so you bring up a point the Michigan Republican Party has gone through a little, you know, um, you know, back and forth on who's the party chair. Uh, you know, the state committee, uh, the Michigan Republican Party state committee made a decision over the, this year to remove the uh, state party chair. Uh, the the Trump campaign, President Trump and, and his campaign recognized Pete Hoekstra as the new chair of the party. Uh, so did the Republican National Committee. And then yesterday, uh, a judge in Kent County ruled that uh, the former chair, Christina Kramos, was properly uh, removed. So that that seems to be, you know, three strikes, you're out, it, it seems like. And so, um, the, and, and so Chairman Hoekstra uh, has uh, picked uh, Grand Rapids uh, to hold the uh, caucuses for selecting the rest of the presidential delegates for the Republican National uh, Convention this summer. And then we'll also have a vote uh, on the uh, National Committee man and, and woman that will represent Michigan for the next two years at the Republican National Committee level. Uh, however, uh, former Chair Karamos uh, continues to say they're going to hold uh, uh, caucuses at Huntington Place in, in Detroit. Uh, I'm not sure if there's an update after the, the court hearing um, you know, after the court decision yesterday. And so there's, uh, you know, there's a little back and forth, but it, it seems like after the Republican National Committee, uh, you know, uh, the, the expected nominee, President Trump, and uh, in the courts ruling that Gramos was properly removed and that Pete Oakstra was elected as, as chair, that, that seems to be the team going forward and let's concentrate on you know, going ahead and, and picking up Republican seats in the state house, winning the U.S. Senate seat, and beating President Biden in the uh, in Michigan uh, this fall. And I, let's concentrate on on actually, um, you know, talking about what President Biden has done at the border. This is his open border policy, uh, the chaos uh, that, that's happening down there, along with. You know, huge deficit spending, the inflation challenges, and just the, the criminal activity going on along with, you know, you have new wars that have started in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East that have broken out during President Biden's time, whereas five years ago, former President Trump was uh, negotiating deals between Arab states and Israel, uh, whereas now it's, uh, you know, again, after October 7th, uh, you know, seems to be you know, Hamas's attack on Israel and the uprooting of, of Hamas there. I mean, there's a lot of instability right now in the world. If you've got a question for State Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt, 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. We'll touch upon the border situation in a moment or so. I just want one more follow-up 
uh, dealing with the state uh, Republican Party. We discussed this uh, late last year, Eric, and I sort of want to bring it up again now, considering uh, the fact that we do have uh, new leadership in the state Republican Party and uh, maybe some final resolution about the dispute about who's actually running the party. When we discussed this late last year, Eric, you told me that you and other uh, uh, elected leaders in Lansing were focused on your own efforts, to, in this case, to build up the coffers and to uh, for the uh, uh, state house members to focus on their campaigns and the like. Now that we have seen maybe perhaps some stability eventually coming to uh, the Republican Party in Michigan, uh, do you get a sense that, you know, we're all starting... Republicans are all going to be starting to row in the same direction now? That's my hope, and it's one where I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of base excitement in in the Republican Party to take on uh, the Democrats this fall and how they've really turned our nation into one without borders, one uh, with high inflation, uh, with higher cost of living, and, and a, a less safe and secure world. And this is what you've seen with uh, uh, three years of, of President Biden. And and so there is a lot of um, consternation on what's going on with at, at the federal level and, and at the state level now with the Democrat you know trifecta and what they've done in terms of anti-business, anti-family uh, activity over the last year and with the bill, the partisan left-wing bills that they have, they have passed along with um, spending the surplus without fixing the roads and, and increasing the state's income tax earlier this year while you know, Governor Whitmer is working to raid the teacher pension fund. And so I think there is a lot of excitement on, on the Republican side, a lot of base excitement. Let's make sure that it goes towards picking up seats and winning. And as I look at this fall, uh, having a, a party where, you know, a state party we can work with, I think is especially helpful at the uh, U.S. Senate and uh, presidential level to work to win the, the state for whoever our nominee is for U.S. Senate and, and for President Trump this, this fall. Uh, at the legislative level, it's been, you know, one where over the last year, you know, I, I think a lot of the activity in terms of, you know, fundraising, putting the, uh, putting the mechanics in place to make sure that we can win back the state house um, this fall, I think was has been put, you know, has been put into place and, and has worked, and you see that with. Uh, uh, Republican leader Hall and in, in the House, you know, being able to out fundraise the majority Democrats and having more cash on hand as they ended last year, and that's not easy to do from a minority position because a lot of the players in Lansing like playing with this majority. But what you see is a lot of grassroots and business owners from around the state saying it's too important uh, to. You know, the, the state house is too important in making sure that we have a check and balance on the far left here in Michigan. And so I, I do believe that that uh, we have the infrastructure in place uh, for taking back the state house. However, having a legitimate state party, I think, is going to be very helpful at the statewide level. Now, let me bring this point up. You brought up some of the key things that. I would I could safely assume that uh, will be emphasized in campaigning, especially for uh, the state house seats as well as uh, uh, um, other possible seats. Do, do you get a sense, at least to me, it sounds like 
maybe this message really didn't resonate or wasn't really pressed enough two years ago, and perhaps it needs to be pressed a little bit more now because, you know, the, the opportunity two years ago to try to make a statement of, against what was going on in Lansing uh, sort of passed everybody by in 2022. And, you know, maybe this is a case of let's not screw this opportunity up in 2024. Yeah, I think part of it this year, uh, in 2022, you had a few of these ballot initiatives. It was a gubernatorial year. Governor Whitmer was running you know, for re-election as an, an incumbent, vastly outspent to Dixon, eight to one, uh, and you know was able to uh, you know, lie about a record and, and really build up her own, you know, Governor Whitmer's own, you know, name ID quite significantly. But you had also the prop proposal three on the ballot, uh, the abortion proposal, which really drove uh, a lot of folks out to the polls. Now that you know was decided at the polls. And in, in the state constitution now in 2022. And so as you go into this year, uh, what you're seeing is a real emphasis on crime and immigration, safety of families, and the cost of living, and, and what it means to, to families here in the state. And with those two main driving issues, that's, you know, that's something where Republicans are very well positioned to take advantage of those issues and be a check and balance on Governor Whitmer. A reminder, even with Governor Whitmer's big win in 22, that it was, only, it was the, the, the state House and state Senate, the Democrats only have a one-seat majority by a few hundred votes and, and, and a one seat in the state House and one seat in the state Senate. So Michigan's a purple state. you got to compete and win every cycle. Uh, there was unique cases in 22. This is a presidential year. It's going to be big turnout this fall. I think that's going to uh, bode well for, for House Republicans. Now, let me tie in a little bit of what you were saying earlier, Eric, to something that uh, you were a part of uh, unveiling earlier this month. Strong Borders Safe Communities Plan. Uh, talk a little bit about that, how maybe things that are 100 miles or or several hundred miles away, still has an impact up here. Yeah, and you see it. It's, it's that, um, Senate Republicans uh, last week, uh, we introduced uh, uh, two sets of bills and a resolution, and then we had some members send, send a letter to the governor on, on asking for some more numbers on what's going on in Michigan. But really, um, last week, what President Joe Biden and Democrats have failed to do is enforce our U.S. immigration laws and protect our communities. We've seen the disastrous uh, Joe Biden immigration uh, changes that he, he's done. He, he undid a lot of President Trump's uh, executive orders, uh, overturned them in his first uh, few days in, in office. And we've seen that number of nearly what seems to be about 8 million illegal immigrants coming into the U.S. over the last three years. It's nearly the the population of the state of, of Michigan. And with that, we've seen also a, a flood of fentanyl into our communities with tra tragic consequences. And so uh, we introduced a strong borders and safe communities plan that really one, first and foremost, is make sure we end these so-called sanctuary cities here in the state. You see this around the nation in Chicago and Denver and in, in New York City, where you have this massive influx of illegal immigrants that have, that have come in, they're straining resources, don't know who they are, don't know where they're from, and it presents a real challenge. And so we're calling on uh, the governor and, and, the, and the majority and Democrats to 
to be serious and ban these so-called sanctuary uh, cities that put our, our communities at, at risk and our families at, at risk. Two, the fentanyl crisis, increased uh, penalties and those that, that bring it in, distribute it, sell it here in our communities, give some further resources to uh, our law enforcement and, and prosecutors. The resolution we, we introduced is called on President Biden and, and, and Congress to stop this massive influx of mortars returned to uh, the state of Mexico policy that President Trump had a few years ago, uh, along with um, you know other immigration policies to, that really stem the flow of, uh, of illegal immigration to our, our country. Another program that we saw from Governor Whitmer's uh, Department of Health and Human Services was calling on folks to house you know, migrants in, in their own homes. And uh, we asked a, a letter of who are these folks that are coming into our, our state? How many people have, how many uh, legal immigrants or migrants have come into, in, into Michigan and give us a, a real count? And when is Governor Whitmer going to actually house a few of these, these migrants if she's calling on, on folks around the state to do that? And so this is a, a serious issue. This is one where um, we see the results of, uh, uh, you know, in, in, our, in our communities and on our streets. Uh, you see them not, not obeying our laws. And if we're not a nation of laws, if we don't have a secure border, how are we a nation? And that's something where uh, it goes back. It's not about legal immigration. This is about illegal immigration. If you want to join our, our country, the first thing you do, if it's an illegal act, I don't, I, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Good morning. You're on the line with Senator Nesbitt. Good morning. This is the first I've heard about uh, Governor Whitmer saying that um, residents should house the illegal immigrants in their homes. Can you explain more about that? Hang on a second. Let me go get him on the other line. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the question. Yeah, this was... Um, some of the last few weeks we, we saw in the Department of Health and Human Services uh, uh, website uh, run by the state of Michigan that they had a request out there for folks around uh, Michigan to house migrants that we don't know where they're from, where they're going, what their background is, how many there are, uh, but, uh, you know, they, they have a program that's, that's online and live. And so we're trying to find out more about this. And so that's why, uh, uh, Senate Republicans, we sent a letter, uh, in the last week, uh, requesting some more information. And so this is, uh, uh, something that's been recently discovered and not much information to be had on it. Hang on a second. Let me get to the other line. Go ahead now. So that's a request and not a demand or a law or a, Ordinance? Or? No, it's a request. That's what the, uh, the senator was saying, yeah. Hmm. And then once they have an address, can they not vote? Hmm. What about that voting question, Eric? Yeah, I mean, they're not legally allowed to vote. This is a challenge with some of the election law changes that have been made over the last few cycles in, in Michigan is that a lot of our uh, areas of you know, to be honest, a lot of the check marks we had, such as, you know, making sure that people are registered before the day of the election, making sure they actually show up and have a photo ID uh, that's, that's out there, 
uh, you know, some of those law changes have happened with Proposal 2 from 2022, uh, but it's still illegal for a non-citizen to vote in, in Michigan. It's about the enforcement, though, from the Secretary of State and, and others. There, there's a challenge right now that, that Senate and House Democrats have introduced legislation that would provide uh, driver's licenses for illegal aliens, and that's extremely troubling for any number of reasons. And so, uh, but this is one where, you know, Republicans were right now in the minority in both the House and Senate. And so, uh, when we're in the majority, we could, you know, make demands and follow up with ways of passing bills and doing changes in, in the budget. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't have that. And so it's trying to draw public attention to it right now and trying to work to uh, show how they're off course on, on some of these issues, especially on illegal immigration and sanctuary cities. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for the call. 616-395-1450. I do want to bring this up, Eric, and then uh, we'll button this up. Uh, you, you are leading... You know, the, the Senate uh, Republican caucus in Lansing asking the governor to submit a contingency budget depending on the fate of that $700 million income tax hike. There is a ju- uh, judicial challenge. State Court of Appeals will decide a lawsuit on March 11th. So uh, you, you, went, you, got, you got to sit through one budget presentation already. You got to sit through another. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what. You know, the, the governor's budget, what she introduced. Remember, a year ago, there was a $9 billion surplus. And the governor's budget this year is contingent upon a $700 million income tax increase that I don't believe is lawful uh, under, under the law. Two, she raised the teacher pension fund with $670 million to prop up other spending elsewhere in the budget. And then three, she actually introduced her budget plan with a 1,200% tax increase on, on garbage services. And so... The, her, her budget's propped up on those three uh, contingencies, and there's still uh, her departments are pushing a higher tax on real estate transfer tax, and then there's Senate and House Democrats trying to push a new water tax. And so after they went through a $9 billion surplus, the governor's budget, even with all these changes, is left with $7 million on the, on, on the balance sheet. The Constitution says that the governor's supposed to present a balanced budget to the state legislature and with all these contingencies, if uh, the ruling go with the income tax goes the way that I, I think it should go, then her budget is out of balance, and she should have a contingency ba- budget ready to go. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, again, uh, March uh, March eleventh will be an interesting day to see whether or not uh, that uh, income tax hike uh, does become uh, you know, can be moved forward on this. We're running out of time, so I will just let everybody know if you need to get a hold of State Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt through his office. The phone number is 517-373-0793, or online at Senator Eric Nesbitt, A-R-I-C Nesbitt.com. That's Senator Eric Nesbitt.com. As always, Eric, a lot to talk about. Time does go very quickly, but we certainly appreciate the time that you spend with us today, uh, Eric, and chatting with us about some of the issues of the day. Wish you and your family well, and if all goes well, we'll do this again back in our usual third Monday slot. Eric, take care. Thank you. 
Thanks, Gary. God bless. Thank you very much, Eric Nesbitt, the state Senate Minority Leader on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. CBS News with Deborah Rodriguez straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. A little bit of open line ahead of Brian Spencer's What's New Around Howland in the next hour. And then we'll be joined by Jonathan Brownson. And he'll talk about the initiative called BCC and Me on 99.7, 1450 WHTC.